Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast. My name is Ines Padar and I'm a spiritual mindset and business coach. The goal of this podcast is to help you use the full power of your subconscious mind to ditch imposter syndrome, raise your vibration, unlock the doors to abundance, and grow a low stress and high income business. So let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so happy to have you here for a super important topic all around confidence and building confidence because um, it's been a reoccurring theme lately in the Mastermind and the Abundance Magnet program and with a lot of people in general and it is a significant topic because you can have the best strategy in the world, you can have you know a lot of money or not a lot of money, a lot of means, uh, do everything right on a technical perspective in terms of you know posting etc but if the confidence aspect is not there where if we don't believe in ourselves, it's going to make everything so much harder. So on today's podcast episode, it's going to be more of an kind of an actionable, uh, actionable idea of you listening. Listening is great, but putting this stuff into practice is even better. So a few actionable steps that you can do right when you finish listening to boost your confidence and in a nutshell just so you get an idea of what we'll be talking about we'll be talking about perfectionism comparing ourselves to other people how to build confidence by experiencing success less is more and some juicy stuff and by the way at the moment of recording this podcast um, black friday is in about a month i think and i will have something special for Black Friday. So just want to give you guys a heads up. Last Black Friday special last year sold out in 50 hours. So that was pretty intense. And a lot of people were disappointed that they could not get in. So just giving you a heads up that something cool is coming up. So let's get into the topic of confidence and how to boost our confidence. And of course, there are like so many things we can talk about. Um, so I'll try to keep it short and sweet on some of the things I feel have worked the best with myself and with clients and with friends and family. The number one question or the number one aspect that I want to talk about is the quality of our questions. And you've probably heard this before or not. The quality of our questions determines the quality of our life. And the quality of our questions also determines the quality of our confidence. So super simple example. If I keep asking myself questions like, what's wrong with me? Or what is wrong with that launch that, you know, not as many people as I expected bought? Or why is my content so bad? Or why can't I get better at copywriting? All of these questions have a pretty low energy to them. So just, you know, saying them out loud out loud right now <laughs> tightened my throat. That's the immediate kind of emotional reaction and physical reaction it triggered because it doesn't feel good to ask ourselves these questions. And just like if I ask myself, What's wrong with me that I can't um, attract Mr. Right? And it's definitely a question I ask myself for many, many years. Thank God that's over. I was like, what's wrong with me? Something must be wrong with me. All of my friends have boyfriends. I don't have a boyfriend. It's my fault. And that just kept me stuck in this vicious circle that I never get got out of. What if you asked better questions and a better question is saying, instead of saying something like, what is wrong with me? Or why am I not confident? Or 
uh, I can't be successful, why can't I be successful? Instead of that, ask, what can I do to build my confidence today? Or how can I improve my copywriting skills? Or acknowledging everything you've already achieved, okay? I might not be where I want to be quite yet, but I have already overcome or achieve or heal xyz when you change your thoughts to a better quality thought and we've already talked about this it's going to trigger a different emotion that's the law uh, before each emotion there is a thought so the quality of your thoughts determine the quality of your emotions and the quality of your emotions determine the quality of your actions and what you can attract towards you so if you ask yourself what is wrong with me i can't launch or what what about me makes people not want to buy my program. If you ask those questions, you're just going to attract more of that. But if you say something like, okay, last launch, I can definitely improve something to get even better result, better results or even better results next time. What can I improve? It is so powerful because even if you don't have an immediate answer, your subconscious mind and the universe will start plotting to bring you the answer. And please believe me, how many times have I asked for a sign? How many times have I asked something like, um, I asked the universe to let me know what I needed to heal, right? When I was very depressed um, and I thought I was kind of going rounds in circles and I couldn't really shift my energy and I still felt really depressed and I didn't seem to get better. I asked the universe, what do I need to focus on? to heal. So instead of saying, oh my god, I can't heal, this is not working, why is EFT not working on me, blah 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 blah, I ask the universe, what do I need to focus on to heal? And I always got the answer. Sometimes it was really funny, it came through lyrics, so I would have a song stuck in my mind for a random reason, and I wouldn't even like hear it on the radio, it just came into my mind. And then when I checked the lyrics of the song, it was exactly what needed to be healed. Or sometimes I just had an insight. I would like, you know, pour myself a cup of tea and have this insight or start journaling and the emotions would come up and I knew what I needed to work on. Um, so ask better quality questions. How can I build confidence? How can I put myself out there that inspires people to invest or to buy my program? What can I do to improve my copywriting skills? Or what can I do to feel a bit better today and the answers will come and even if the answer doesn't come immediately being comfortable with unanswered questions is also a great skill many people hate having a question that kind of stays there without any answers but sometimes we don't have answers and that is okay many questions that we have we don't get answers to like the universe or why do you know sometimes young kids innocent kids become really ill or die of hunger these are questions we don't always have answers to but when you increase your ability to have unanswered questions you also become so much more receptive and resilient to an answer coming to you because there's not so much attach attachment so that was point number one ask yourself better questions second aspect please 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 if you have to listen to one listen to this one less is more. Yes, I'm going to repeat this. Less is more when it comes to manifesting a goal or having a successful launch or growing your business or finding Mr. or Mrs. Right. Less is more. When, especially when we have imposter syndrome, which pretty much everyone has in different forms, there is this need that tends to pop up of being like this super to-do lister, right? So 
you have a to-do list, you accomplish everything on the to-do list because it gives, it makes us feel temporarily better. Like, oh my God, I've achieved all of these things, you know, etc., etc., which is not a bad thing in itself. But the tendency, especially with perfectionists or overachievers, which are often signs of imposter syndrome, is that we make this huge to-do list and, of course, we don't get anything done on the to-do list. Oh, sorry about that. That was my phone. Uh, let's say we have, like, 10 elements of th things we really want to get done throughout the week, or even 15. And at the end of the week, we've only done 2 or 5 or 7 or even 10 out of the 15. What is going to happen is that we are literally going to destroy our confidence because the automatic thoughts that are going to pop up is... I can't even do this, I, I knew I wanted to do these things, I didn't do them, like a sense of disappointment, sometimes even disrespecting ourselves or frustration or this constant lingering sense of dissatisfaction. And we basically successfully broke the promise we made to ourselves. So if we can't even keep a simple promise like, oh, this week I'm going to clean out the, the home, um... I'm going to exercise four times and I'm going to get that email sequence finished and put my offer out there, which technically you have enough time to do, right? And then it doesn't get done. It means that even the, the, the basic things that you wanted to do and that you can do, as you're not doing them, your mind gets the message, well, if I can't even do these simple things that were doable, what is going to happen with my bigger goals? of that seven-figure business or total financial freedom for myself and my family or sending my kids to their, you know, dream school or college or whatever or traveling the world in first class. How can I ever get there if I can't even clean up my freaking home? And it's not true, right? Like this, it's it sounds really logic, but it's not true. Just because, you know, you didn't go work out or didn't clean your home or didn't fin finish that email sequence doesn't mean you won't be successful, but your mind... That's the message it will get. Your subconscious mind is not filtering any information. It's just kind of giving what, taking what you give it and makes it grow like a seed, right? You plant a seed and the subconscious mind makes it, makes it grow. So if you don't keep the promises you made to yourself, your subconscious mind or your conscious mind or like the submerged part of the iceberg will be, well, if I can't even do these simple things that I'm, I've been like delaying for so long, how can I ever do more and the best way to um to kind of heal that pattern is reducing the size of the to-do list even if it is ridiculously low so if you set yourself as an objective okay like the entire next week I'm going to work out once for 10 minutes I am going to finish one email and, you know I will call that friend I've been telling myself I have to call for the past two months that's it Really, I mean it, that's it. At the end of the week, you actually do those three things because it's not overwhelming you. It doesn't seem daunting. It, it doesn't appear to your nervous system like this massive mountain that you have to like climb up and down within an unrealistic amount of time. So you actually get shit done, right? And as you do the things you said you would do, you feel proud of yourself, you feel satisfied, you feel happy, you have a sense of accomplishment and you're successfully boosting your confidence. Don't be fooled by the simplicity of this piece of advice. And what is likely to happen is that once you've done all of the things that were on your list, you'll probably have even more energy and motivation to get more stuff done. Whereas if we have this daunting 
huge list of things that technically are achievable or doable within the time frame we set time frame we set uh, for ourselves but it's just so daunting that we start procrastinating and delaying or we are like extraordinarily unproductive if anyone can relate <laughs> uh, sometimes I it takes me four hours to do something that could take me 30 minutes or 50 minutes if I was really productive because I just don't want to be there or I'm overwhelmed or it seems daunting or there's so much more that I'm like hey what's the point so less is more keep the promises you make to yourself it is so important let's just say that you hire a babysitter or a nanny for your kids you know for half a day while you have to do something and you give her like simple stuff to do you say okay well obviously watch the kids and maybe if you could like unload the dishwasher and I don't know like hang the coats that's been that have been like hanging out on the couch like put them on hangers or in the the cupboard or whatever simple stuff right achievable stuff and then you come back and yes she's watched the kids the kids are fine but nothing else you ask her to do are done are you confident and do you trust that person well, the answer is probably no. Maybe you'll be happy with what she's done with the kids, but you know that she's not reliable. Same goes with the promises we make to ourselves or the to-do lists that we set, we the objectives we set to ourselves. And then if we break them, it's just going, to, we're going to lose trust in ourselves and it's going to lower our confidence. Now, let's move on to our best friend, perfectionism. Now... As we've already discussed in a few episodes, um, perfectionism is very often the external manifestation, blah, the external manifestation of an inner feeling of not feeling good enough, right? And when we don't feel good enough on the inside, or when we feel we are not enough, or we don't know enough, the way we compensate for that is by trying to make everything perfect on the outside. So maybe we doubt our academic abilities, so now we are spending hours and hours and hours on writing this paper or a thesis or a group project because we want to prove to ourselves that it's good enough and we want everything to be perfect. So we don't have to feel the hard feelings of not feeling good enough on the inside. And so, so, so many more examples. We freak out that, you know, if the website doesn't look professional enough and if it's not color-coded the right way, or if it's not, like, super design and super aesthetically pleasing, that people are going to think that we don't know what we talk about, blah, 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 blah. All of that is imposter syndrome, too. So perfectionism um, is just one of these things that is not productive, like, it's it's a huge time waster, it's, it's a huge anxiety inducer, and what is perfect for you might not be perfect for someone else. That is the worst above it all. So let's imagine you successfully, which doesn't really happen, right? But you successfully c complete a task to perfection according to your standards. So God, God knows how long that took you, because perfectionism is a huge time waster. Let's imagine, you know, I've finally done something I feel is perfect. I spend way too much time, but anyhow, I'm finally satisfied with it. And most of the times I'm just not satisfied. And perfectionism is, is subjective, meaning that what is perfect for me might not be perfect for someone else. It might even be pretty average to someone else, or even worse, they think it sucks. So now I've just spent, what, one, two, th five days or weeks perfecting something that is not even perfect for someone else. So perfectionism, perfectionism is a myth. Nothing is ever perfect. And by perfect, by tr 
by focusing, I'm, I'm struggling with my speech today, by focusing on trying to make everything perfect, it's just recipe for disappointment, frustration, dissatisfaction, procrastination, lack of productivity, which is a beautiful cocktail of the exact opposite of confidence. When you feel disappointed, frustrated, frustrated, dissatisfied, when you're procrastinating, when you're not productive, you further feel even worse about yourself, right? You tell yourself tell yourself stuff like, oh my god, it took me so long, it shouldn't have taken me so long, or this is still not good enough, I, sh- I still have to work on this, and it's just like this cloud of so-so or negative emotions that keeps following us everywhere. So let go of perfectionism. People who've been following me for a while, you probably noticed that I have a lot of typos in my content. And some people say, yeah, it's not your fault. It's because English is your second language. And that is not true. I really appreciate people trying to come to my rescue with that excuse. But it's simply not true, right? I've written a 140-page master thesis on collateralized debt obligations and the implication of psychological biases and the subprime crisis. Uh, English is not the problem. It's just that I'm lazy and I cannot be bothered to take more time and to write everything to perfection. So when I write really fast, I make typos. And sometimes I just don't realize. I just don't realize. And I make these huge mistakes. Um, And people understand what I meant, right? But still, there are typos. And I just don't care. I know that if I can choose to care and I can choose not to make typos anymore, that's not something that I can't solve, right? I just have to choose that it matters. And then I won't make typos anymore. I can reprogram my subconscious mind. But I don't even want to spend time doing that because for me, it's a waste of time. So some people have emailed me saying it's extremely unprofessional uh, and it hurts my credibility. And, you know, I respect that is an opinion. It's not a fact. But it doesn't change anything to the fact that I really don't care, right? And it hasn't stopped me from scaling a business really fast because people care about my personality and they care about uh, our ability together to co-create the life they want. They care about me asking the right questions or giving appropriate advice so they can grow themselves and grow their business and make more money and get more freedom. That's what my clients want. They don't want my spelling to be perfect. And if someone is extremely bothered by my spelling, then they're not my ideal client. And I completely respect that, that someone else would be better for them, right? So I just don't uh, give a F, let's be honest. And if I could scale a business making a ton of typos and nothing being perfect, so can you. Let's go. Let's let go of perfectionism. Now, other super important aspect, and I'm sure a lot of you will be like, oopsie, I've been doing this, is comparing ourselves to other people. So I'm going to say this once, and you're going to take a mental note because it's so important. The only person you should compare yourself to is yourself six months ago or one year ago. When we are on this journey of life, in this state of consciousness, in this physical body, we kind of want to... I'm choosing my words carefully here. Expand our consciousness. And you know, if you don't want to expand your consciousness, that's fine. (laughs) That's not a law. Like God did not tell you you need to expand your consciousness. But many people aspire to grow as an individual, right? To be more happy, to feel more connected, or to live a life that, you know, fulfills them. And to do that, uh, we kind of have to unprogram some old past or 
inherited programming that is not really serving us. I think we can all agree on that. Like the you're not good enough or you can't do this or money doesn't grow on tree. Like we were not born like that. At our purest state of consciousness, we can do and be anything we want, right? And everything that makes us feel otherwise is stuff that we either learned from other people that our parents told us or people around us told us that we learned in school or that was inherited or trauma-based. Now, knowing this... The only person that you would you should, and I don't like the word should, but that you should that, that you'd like to compare yourself to is yourself six months ago or twelve months ago, one year ago. And look back and see, okay, well, six months ago, which would be in what, May, April, six months ago, that's where I was at. Have I evolved since then? And it doesn't necessarily mean making more money right making more money is just a society success metric that is extremely subjective like society rewards making money you are successful if you're making money but money itself is not an accurate indicator of success i think that a more accurate indicator of success is if you're happy and fulfilled and if you're living the life you want to be living so if i look back six months ago Well, first of all, maybe I'm making more money, which is great, so I have evolved. And maybe I'm not, but how is my mindset compared to six months ago? What else have I manifested into my life that I didn't have six months ago? What aha moments did I get? What have I healed? What limiting beliefs did I manage to let go of? What healthier boundaries have I implemented since six months ago? Or if I look at myself six months ago, I thought stuff like, oh, you know, it's my responsibility that clients get results or, you know, I need to make other people happy, blah, blah, blah. And today I no longer feel and think that, which is a huge step forward. So look back at where you were at six months ago, 12 months ago, because sometimes, you know, life happens and that's the only person you should ever compare yourself to. When we compare ourselves to other people on social media or anywhere, really, first of all, we just get a glimpse of what their life is really like. So we will see the coach who scaled to $1 million in six months, which is amazing, inspiring. But we don't know what is behind that. We don't know what budget they had on ad spend or if they didn't. We don't know how much inner work and healing they've done prior to that. Many, many people say... My overnight success took 12 years or 10 years when I started to learn about the law of attraction 10 years ago. And then it took 10 years for me to have my huge breakthrough. You never get the full picture unless someone is, you know, perfectly transparent, which a few people are, but not many. And when we compare ourselves to others, we just make ourselves feel terrible. And it usually worsens imposter syndrome because... We feel like a fraud, we feel like we are not where we should be, that we are not moving fast enough, that our business should have grown more, that we should be making more money, blah, 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 should, should, should. And those thoughts are making us regress rather than expand. It's making us feel small rather than, you know, feel that we are moving forward and moving the needle. So it's completely counterproductive and we are basing our judgment of other people's success just based on what they show which very often is so, so far from the truth or the bigger picture. We don't know what they have healed from the past. We don't know their personal circumstances. We don't know what happened in their life that led them to be where they are in this moment. Uh, We don't know what kind of help or support they got. 
etc 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 so you need to choose and i can't do that for you to stop comparing yourself to others and if that means unfollowing and unfriending a bunch of people not because we don't like them but because seeing their social media is making you feel like shit then do that right um they won't take it personally you can even send them a message if you have the guts to do that i unfollowed so 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 many people when i started my online business because it would just make me doubt everything I would see a program that they launched and they would launch like a five-week, you know, subconscious mind, blah, blah, thing. And I was like, oh my God, five weeks. I was planning on doing eight, but maybe five is better. And if it worked five, like so many people enrolled in their five-week program, so does it mean that no one will enroll in my eight-week program? And then I compared their, the prices they were charging to mine and their branding and this and that. And it was it, it was awful. And it just made, made me doubt absolutely everything. You can't compare yourself to anyone except yourself because no one is like you. And sometimes some people will have extraordinary success on Instagram while other people's won't and other people won't. And some people, you know, will be super successful having an evergreen business model and some people will have success with a launching business model. So we cannot compare ourselves to other people. Please stop doing that. When I hear some of my clients are like, I was doing great and then I spent two hours comparing myself to other people on Instagram and now I feel like shit. I'm like, don't do that. This is sabotage. Please take responsibility for your health and happiness and don't freaking do that. It's like literally scratching a scab until it bleeds again. It's just no, 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 no. Don't do it. Compare yourself to, to yourself six months ago and then again, you, you have a choice of how you want to feel. So if you feel that you've evolved a lot, which is all fun and games and amazing, you can pat yourself on the back and journal about how far you've come these past six months or this past year. And if you haven't, which would surprise me because we are always changing, we are always evolving. So it would really surprise me that you feel if you felt that you haven't, you know, grown at all. But if that's your feelings, you know, which is legitimate, well, do something about it. You say, okay, well, these past six months, I haven't really moved in the direction I wanted to move in. So what have I done until now that hasn't been really working? And what else can I do or what can I change so I can actually in six months from now look back and be happy or proud of myself, right? And the easiest example I can give you is exercise. How many times, and I'm the kind of person, so there is no right or wrong, but I, my energy is so much higher when I do explosive sports or high intensity time, kinds of sports. So, you know, weightlifting or kickboxing or stuff like, like surfing that, you know, requires quite a bit of energy. It energizes me a lot, not right after, but, you know, in general. And I've had periods in my life where I didn't do any exercise, even though I know it's not good for me because it, it doesn't make me feel good not to move. And so what I would do in the past is I would like procrastinate and do wishful thinking and say, oh, I'm going to work out four times this week and then I would work out zero and then I would beat myself up for not doing anything and blah, blah, blah. And three months later, I would look back and feel miserable about all the progress I did not make throughout those three months and then I would be like, oh, this is so bad. I should have done more, blah, blah, blah. I could be in such a different spot right now, you know, mentally and physically if I had done more exercise, blah, blah, blah. And then I do the same for another three months. Like, like it's 
you can't make this up, right? You can't freaking make this up. So then here we go again, but now it's six months later and I still feel frustrated and disappointed in myself. But the thing is, you have to choose to make something different. So at that point, it's like a crossroad. You have two choices. Whatever choice you make, make sure you are at peace with it. So you can look back and say, okay, well, I said I was going to exercise and move my body and make like a change and I haven't. And option number one is say, okay, that was wishful thinking. I have other priorities in my life right now. I actually don't really want to be moving that much. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of how I would feel like and look like in six months if I, you know, did sport consistently. But I'm going to be realistic and just acknowledge that this is not my priority right now. I have other priorities. Maybe it's my business, maybe it's my kids, you know, maybe it's traveling. So I will just let go of the idea and I will focus my energy on other things, the end, and be at peace with the decision. It's okay not to do everything you want to be doing and if you have to choose your battles sometimes. Or choice number two is saying, okay, I haven't done anything these past six months. It is frustrating me. It is affecting my mental health and my physical health. So now I am going to choose to change this and commit to it. I'm not going to say I'm going to do it and then not do it because that is breaking the promise I made to myself. I'm going to choose that I will have the discipline to move my body even when it's cold, even when I feel bloated, even when I don't want to, even though this bed is super comfy and I don't want to wake up and do some kickboxing or whatever, and I'm going to stick with it so I can look back in three or six months and be proud of myself. There, that's option number two. But what many people do, including myself, I've been guilty of this for many, many times, many, many times, is to stay in limbo. So like a half-ass kind of decision of, yeah, okay, I'm going to commit to this, but not really, but I still want to be working out a few times a week and I really like the idea of how it's going to be in six months, but actually not doing it because now not only have you set yourself an objective that you're just not going to fulfill and you know you're not going to do it, so in six months you'll just be disappointed and you'll have procrastinated on it and you won't be at peace with your decision. Whereas if you take choice one and you say, okay, I, I like the idea of working out, but it's just not going to happen at this moment, right? So I'm going to let go of all of these expectations. I am going to let go of this moral obligation of working out. I'm going to set myself the objective of not working out at all these six next months. And, you know, if sometimes I want to, let's do it. And voila, I did that with Spanish. Really wanted to pick up Spanish again because I, I do speak Spanish, but it's been a long time. So I wanted to take lessons again on Zoom with my school in Peru. And it's been wishful thinking. So I just, you know, admitted to myself that learning Spanish right now is not a priority. I have other things that I want to focus my energy on, even though I love Spanish. And I'm not going to beat myself up for not learning Spanish. You know, I'll just do that later and it's fine. I don't walk around saying I should be learning Spanish. Why haven't I learned Spanish? I could have learned Spanish. I would be speaking Spanish so well if I had done Spanish for then blah, 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 blah. Counterproductive. Okay, last point. Two last points, actually. Confidence comes from experiencing success. And some of you might say, well, it's a chicken and egg thing. How can I be confident in launching if I've never successfully launched? Wait, give me, give me a few minutes here. So 
let's say, you know, you're learning how to play tennis and the first time you manage to hit the ball over the net, that is an experience of success. And because now you've successfully, you know, hit the ball over the net, it builds your confidence and may maybe you do it again a few minutes or hours later, etc., etc. And you build up momentum and confidence that way. Now, another way to approach this, like typical example, let's say I want to have, you know, this huge, successful, cool, magnificent launch, but I've never launched before or I've never successfully launched before. How can I build up success? It's by setting small yet achievable goals. And there's this super cool story and example of this guy, can't remember the context, but I'm sure you can find it online, who basically got strand, like lost in the mountains can't remember what happened. And he had to walk this massive distance to the next village or the next road and have like any chances of survival. It was snowing, it was really cold. And the distance he had to walk was enormous, considering, you know, hypothermia. I don't think he had food or very little food, no shelter. It was like enormous. I can't remember how many miles or kilometers, but huge. And what he did is that he would look about, like in front of him and set himself the objective of reaching the next mini milestone that was like only a few feet or a few meters ahead. So, oh, I want to reach this rock. And once I'm at the rock, okay, now I want to reach this tree. And very small goals, he kind of, yeah, very small goals, he would look around, find a mini milestone, a branch, a rock, you know, some sort of... Um, bump in the snow or whatever and by doing these super small yet achievable steps he had the satisfaction of okay I'm here I did it it's fine I can go on a tiny bit more and a tiny bit more and a tiny bit more whereas if he had acknowledged the daunting distance that he still had to go you know and walk to even have a chance for survival, like it becomes so overwhelming that we just completely shut down. It was like kilometers and kilometers and kilometers until the next road. And you, we just become so discouraged because it appears to be so far and we don't have energy or it hasn't been working the way we want. So small yet achievable goals. So let's imagine, you know, you want a seven figure business because why not? Or not, maybe you want something else and that's fine too. Maybe the goal of having the seven-figure business seems so foreign or so far that we're like, I, can, I can't do this. It's never going to work out for me. And this is like the anti-confidence formula. So what can I do instead? Well, what if I focus on getting my very first one-on-one -on -one clients or my very first super high-ticket clients, right? I'm going to launch like this mastermind. And if everything goes well with my mastermind, I'm going to make, I don't know, 100,000, right? Instead of having to say, I'm going to have this successful launch and it's going to make a million dollars. Or I want to increase, you know, the numbers of followers of 20 by 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 people within the next 60 days. And, you know, set an actionable plan to get there. Or I want to enroll one person in this new program and then I want to enroll three people in this program next time and launch it and then five and then 10 and then 50. So small achievable goals where you can see that you're making progress and you can build that confidence step by step goal by goal and look back and say hey well six months ago I didn't even know I could launch my one-on-one -on -one and now I found clients or I didn't even know that I, that I could have a successful launch for a group program but now I've achieved this so you can see the progress um, 
over time, right? Progress is a continuous thing. So it can be extremely satisfying and rewarding. Instead of, like my mom always says, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Of course, we don't eat elephants in my family, but you get the idea. If you kind of see the entire thing like, oh my God, like I can't do this. Whereas if it's small steps, same with when I had depression, like the depression wouldn't go away. I felt awful waking up in the morning. I couldn't even like get up. I would stay in bed for so long. And then it would be a battle just to eat something because I had no appetite. Or to brush my teeth or like, you know, wash my hair. But I would force myself to do small things. So if I had thought, you know, while I was deeply depressed, okay, my objective for the end of this week is feel amazing. Um, and to have healed at least, you know, a quarter of the depression or blah, blah, blah. It's just so daunting. You don't do anything. Whereas if I said, okay, I'm going to get out of bed before 10 and... I will clean up the kitchen and I will go for a walk outside for at least 10 minutes, the end. Then you experience success, right? You do these things and you're proud of yourself and you see that actually you have been able to do something. And as you build momentum, you can set um, new goals and it really works. And same goes, you know, with those familiar, those of you who are familiar with EFT, even if you're not, EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. It's an amazing modality I used to heal from depression and I use a lot with my clients because it's just so extraordinary and the underlying idea of EFT is that um, when trauma happens and trauma can be you know big traumas like an accident or violence but also small traumas small t traumas where the teacher told us we suck or we got a bad grade and our mom gave us a disappointed look that's also a form of trauma so basically EFT says that when we experience trauma, it can, it can even be inherited, we have energetic disruptions in our body. And when the energy doesn't flow the way it's supposed to flow, it will create physical or emotional symptoms, right? So let's say, this is a real story actually, a client who had a car accident and they had a very painful knee. And the, the pain would not go away. They tried everything, all sorts of treatments, surgery... Uh, you know, infiltrations and all sorts of drugs, it just wouldn't go away. And technically, MRIs showed nothing wrong. So technically, mechanically, biologically, there was nothing wrong with the knee, but it would still hurt. And that happens because there is trapped emotions, a huge energetic disruption of the accident that hasn't been alleviated or solved or healed. And once we worked on the accident and all of the fear that he would die and that his kids would live without a dad... And the fear, you know, when he heard the brakes of the other car, etc., etc. Once we healed and worked on those things and we were able to restore the flow of energy, the knee pain went away. And I have like so many examples of the exact same things. So when I had depression, we need to imagine that any physical manifestation, physical or emotional manifestation, is like a tabletop that is supported by many, many table legs. So my depression back then was supported with not feeling good enough, being rejected, or, you know, and a bunch of specific events that kind of confirmed those beliefs. So that time when, I, you know, I got rejected by guys I was in love with, or that time where I felt I only had conditional love, or that time where I felt like a failure because I had failed a test. So, so many table legs, events, mini traumas that were supporting this tabletop that was depression. 
So if you look at the entire tabletop depression and you say, I, I have to heal this within the next, you know, amount of time X, and you look back at the 300 specific events that <laughs> contributed to creating that, you're like, holy guacamole, this is impossible. But if you choose to tackle it, one, like, tackle depression one event at a time and bring peace through EFT, in my case, back then, to one specific event at a time. And seeing that as a huge victory, well, that worked. I just focused on small wins, focused on the fact that some of the things that used to upset me a lot and I couldn't even talk about without crying were now very neutral. And I could see progress through these many achievements, even though I was still feeling depression. So if I had just looked at the depression, I was like, this is not working, it's not healing, it's still there. But by looking at small, by setting smaller milestones and by observing small experiences of success and healing and letting go of past beliefs one by one, I could really see the progression and the change and eventually, you know, ended up depression free. So confidence is built by experiencing success and you can experience success by setting small yet achievable goals that will bring you this gratification and boost in confidence. Last but not least, don't give anything a meaning that you don't want it to have. Many people, me included, again, all of us, sometimes mistake facts from opinion, opinions. So... Again, to take the launch example, because launching creates many emotions in many people and sometimes not the greatest emotions. Let's say a, I flop a launch and it has happened, right? I have flopped launches. The fact is that the launch did not go as planned. That is a fact, right? If I wanted to enroll 35 students or clients and I only got one or two or zero, the fact is I did not enroll as many clients or students as I expected. Now, it's an opinion that I am a failure. It is an opinion that no one wants my program. It's an opinion that I can't launch. It's an opinion that other people launch better than me and I can never launch successfully again. It's an opinion that I have a money block and this is why I couldn't launch. It's an opinion to say, oh my god, my my luck has run out, I'm a fraud, I could launch before, but I can't launch again because obviously it's not working anymore. All of those are opinions. So when we assign a meaning to a fact, so fact, the fact or the specific circumstance that happened is that not as many people involved as I expected. It is my choice to assign a meaning, a disempowering meaning to it. When I say well, no one wants my program, or this is proof that I, I, I never have any guarantees about anything, or that, oh, my luck has run out, or, you know, last year was better, but this is it, or like, whatever thoughts cross our mind. I have a choice to think those thoughts, and of course, you know, it's a reptilian brain, or a limbing brain, fight or flight system, all of the scarcity, all of the survival em emotions coming up to the surface, giving us all of these um, disempowering thoughts. But I can also choose to give a more empowering meaning to that event or to the fact that the launch didn't go as expected. I can say, well, yeah, actually what I was launching back then no longer feels aligned, you know? I created that program one and a half years ago. It felt great back then, but I actually don't want to teach that program anymore. So my energy just repelled clients to give me a very clear signal. Hey, you need to focus on something else. Or maybe it was a bit of a breakdown that 
made me dig deeper, dig deeper into some survival emotions or scarcity stuff that needed to be healed in order to, in order for me or my business to expand to the level I wanted to expand to, right? Or maybe, you know, it was just a failure of the strategy in that specific case and I can tweak and adjust for next time. So don't give anything a meaning that you don't want it to have because whatever you believe to be true is going to be true. If you believe that your energy must be high 24-7 in order for you to manifest things, then that's what you're going to manifest. And on the opposite view, if you, you have an affirmation just like me that says, my business is always making money and attracting new people to it regardless of how I feel, this is also what's going to be true for you. So you have a choice and I know this choice is not easy because our mind kind of hijacks our thought system and gives us these negative thoughts kind of automatically. But we need to choose to make empowering, to give empowering meanings to specific circumstances. When my launch didn't go as planned, first of all, I said, well, I'll just do it again until it works. And I also acknowledged it as a lesson of something I really needed to learn right now in order for the business to expand to where I wanted to expand, right? Or I saw it as a positive sign that there was some misalignment going on and that I needed to heal that misalignment or step back into alignment or that maybe the goal I had set for myself wasn't my goal, but it was for someone else and it's not serving me at the end of the day, right? A very frequent scenario of stuff like that I've seen happening in clients is they have a sibling or a spouse, a significant other, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whoever, someone someone who is close to them and that they love, who has a tendency to put themselves into very um, shitty circumstances with money. So they're not paying their bills. Uh, they got evicted, their car is being seized, or like it's a constant fight with money. And deep down in their subconscious, my clients knew that if they had a big launch and they made a lot of money, then they would have to lend money to that person who is struggling financially. They could not say no because they did not have that boundary or they felt they just couldn't say no, right? Whereas if they weren't making any money, and that person asked for money, well, it's super simple. You say, no, I'm so sorry, I don't have money. I can't lend you anything because I don't have it. And that is kind of an easier choice because you don't have to ruffle any feathers. You don't have to, you know, set uncomfortable boundaries. You don't have to make anyone mad. And that is a super frequent thing where like launches flop because deep down, you know, in their subconscious, my clients know that... If they make more, they will just have to give it away. And it's so disempowering. They're like, no, I'm just not going to make any money. And of course, it's not a conscious mechanism. It's completely subconscious. And then the subconscious mind and like the energetic field sabotage it and repel clients. So yeah, don't give anything a meaning that doesn't empower you, right? There are events, there are circumstances, there are facts. And then how we decide to interpret that and the meaning we assign to these things is ours to choose. And the meaning we assign to these things is going to determine whether we are going to feel more confident about ourselves or less confident. And ultimately, it's going to determine, um, you know, if we are going to achieve these goals or not. So this was it for today. Please implement this stuff. Even if you take one of these things, I'm going to summarize them right now and start doing it, you'll see such a huge difference in a very short amount of time. So 
First point we talked about is asking better questions. So never say something like, what's wrong with me? But what can I do? What can I do to have a better launch next time? Or how can I improve my content? Or how can I build confidence? Ask better questions, get better answers. Point number two is less is more. Uh, lower the size of your to-do list or your to-manifest list. Um, don't set yourself these objectives that feel overwhelming or that you have to be super productive every single day in order to be achieved because that is recipe for not doing anything on the list and lack of confidence. Point number three is keeping the promises you make to yourself, which is a bit similar to the other one, the previous one. So when you say you're going to do something, actually do it. And... Or just don't say you're going to do it. Don't say that you're going to do something and then not do it because that's a huge confidence killer. Number four is letting go of perfectionism. Nothing is ever perfect. Uh, something that is perfect for you will be very average for someone else. And you don't need anything to be perfect to be super successful. Point number five is to stop comparing yourselves to others. As again, that is recipe for imposter syndrome. And we never get the whole picture. We are comparing our entire life situation and our success and where we are at and our self-worth based on a glimpse of what other people show on social media, which very often is absolutely not a reflection of what is truly going on in their life. Um, point number six is confidence is built by experiencing success. So set yourself small yet achievable goals that will give you a confidence boost. And even, you know, if let's say you feel uncomfortable posting content. Well, come up with one post, just one post. And you don't even have to make it up all on your own. You can go to content creators you really like, people in a similar niche or like leaders on social media you really like. Look at their content and then think of ways you can do something similar, but that is, of course, authentic to you, that is not plagiarizing it and that has your own twist on it. You don't have to start from scratch. And last but not least, don't give anything a meaning that you don't want it to have. So this was it for today. I hope you loved this podcast episode. Uh, also know that you don't need to be confident 24-7. Like I have doubts every single day. Every single day my mind has a mini freak out. It just means you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You're not staying comfortable. You're stepping out of your comfort zone and it means you are growing. So sometimes having a bit of a oh my god moment is just, you know, a good sign that you are on the path to growth, expansion, and success. And yeah, I'll see you next time. If you have any friends who could benefit from this podcast episode or the podcast altogether, I would be huge, I would hugely appreciate if you could share it with them. Um, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Now, if you want to experience the full power of your subconscious mind to manifest more abundance and more clients towards you while you sleep, I've got a gift for you, the Abundance Hypnosis Recording. It will help you let go of imposter syndrome and money blocks directly at the subconscious level and rewire your mind to energetically attract and manifest more abundance and clients. This recording has already helped thousands of women let go of deep-seated limiting beliefs and negative blueprints they didn't even know they had. And all you have to do is go to inaspadar.ch slash abundance recording and one word. And of course, all of this is in the show notes. So see you next time on the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast.